1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Today, you'll hear from Neela Richardson, ADP chief economist, on the uncertainty in the labor market, flexibility offered by employers, inflation, and what employers and their employees want from each other right now. Richardson spoke with my colleague Elon Moy at CNBC's Evolve live stream on May 12, 2022. Here's their conversation.
2: Neela, I'm really excited to talk to you because you have your finger on the pulse of the labor market. I know ADP has done a lot of research into what workers are looking for now and how businesses are trying to navigate this post-pandemic inflationary environment. So let's just start big picture here. And I want to ask you, you know, how can businesses recruit and compete for talent in such a tight labor market? And what are some ways they can also try to uh, increase the productivity of their current employees and keep them happy so that they don't leave? Well,
0: first of all, it's great to be with you, Elon, and your audience. I hear two questions when I talk to ADP clients, and I we have 920,000 clients around the world. Uh, we pay and provide payroll services to one in six U.S. workers. So we do have a great sense of what employers are asking for, what workers are wanting. So the number one question I hear from clients of all sizes, from the one- to four-person firm all the way up to multiple thousands of, of employees around the world, is, one, how do I find and retain? qualified workers, that's been the number one uh, question since uh, the the job's recovery. But that question has evolved to number two in, the, in popularity, which is, how do I set wages in an inflationary environment. So, when we look at the data, and I touch about 10 to 20 million records, depending how you you cut it, I touch about 20 million records every single week in terms of employees, uh, there's a lot that can be gleaned from it. I think the first place to go, though, is what workers are feeling themselves. Uh, They've seen a tremendous amount of upheaval. And I think the important thing to note for the audience here is that the changes are both seismic and persistent. Workers are feeling, despite all the turn, maybe because of it, they're feeling less secure in their jobs uh, than they were before the pandemic. In fact, 20 percent of U.S. workers, when we just conducted our survey not too long ago, 20 percent said they felt their jobs were secure. That means a lot of the churn, the record amounts of quits that we're seeing in the labor market, some of that is that need to find a more future-proof industry, uh, especially for those low-pay service jobs that were hit so hard by the pandemic. So I think the first place to start, Ilan, with your question is to target the sources of security for workers. Find out what workers need right now to feel secure in your company, whether you're trying to attract them or retain them, because that really is tapping into uh, the worker ethos in the moment.
2: So let's unpack some of the statistics and some of the data points that you referenced In your answer, first of all, you said that a lot of employees are asking for cost of living increases. Um, Do you have any sense of how big some of those increases are that workers are looking for? And are companies willing to give it to them? Well,
0: I think this is the struggle right now. uh, And I think that increase depends on what part of the country that you're living in. I'd like to to go a little bit further back, though, to answer that question, because I, I hinted at where this is going. We have seen the biggest hit in terms of job loss and also wage growth in that lowest quartile of, of income earners. So, even though their wages have gone up and they're growing faster, uh, when all is said and done, the average uh, worker in the fourth quartile is only make making about Two bucks, a little less than two bucks than they did in 2019 per hour. So it hasn't been, despite all the talk of wage growth, it hasn't been stellar when you think about inflation. So real wages are declining, and that's true at every income level. And that's where the worker is coming in and saying, in terms of uh, maybe my it's time to adjust my wages upward. Now, salary is the number one driver for worker sentiment right now, but our survey data shows salary is not the only only factor. Because only 20 percent of of U.S. workers feel their jobs are secure, the third most important after job security and salary is flexibility. So if you're one of those companies, and many companies in the service sector are, that have thin margins, that can't raise wages permanently to the inflation levels we're seeing right now, the, the second place to look is what else workers want, which is flexibility over their time over their schedules, a little bit more autonomy in their work. And our data shows that workers are willing to take pay cuts to get that kind of flexibility, Elon, So there is more to the story Mm. than just a wage or cost of living. They also want some flexibility. Mm. And there is a room to negotiate between the employer and the worker to align on the right strategy for that position. So does that
2: flexibility mean that a sort of hybrid model of return to office is going to be with us for the long-term, and what does that mean for maybe that bottom quartile of workers that you were talking about whose jobs maybe can't be done remotely?
0: You know, I think that's the key question, because, again, survey evidence is loud and clear here. Uh, Two-thirds of the U.S. workforce would consider leaving their jobs, according to our People at Work survey, uh, if it meant they had to go back to the office full-time. And the average pay cut that a U.S. worker is willing to to make for that flexibility is 11 percent. When you were talking about inflation at over 8 percent, an 11 percent average pay cut that they're willing to give back is pretty significant. But you're right. Most jobs can't be done remotely. And I think there is some kind of confusion here between the popular narrative of what is remote, what is what are people asking for? and that that narrative goes. People just want to work from home. My mom's a school teacher. She she did do her job remotely in the throes of the pandemic, but most of the time she has to do it in a classroom as an English teacher. And so many jobs. There's more than just uh, low pay, service, customer service facing jobs that are in this bucket have to be done on premises. What what we're seeing though is that having some flexibility about when you work is so much more important to the U.S. worker than flexibility about where you work. And some of this churn from uh, low-paid jobs and service sectors is not just trying to find better pay, it's actually trying to find better working hours. In fact, if you look at the data for, for example, leisure and hospitality, the hardest-hit sector by the pandemic, you see that job switchers actually don't do very well. They actually make less money than people who hold their jobs, in terms of job growth. Uh, other industries, there are some returns for switching, but for this industry, there's not. So it's kind of behooves the company that really think strategically about how they set schedules, how they set time, and see if there's mm-hmm. any flexibility for that worker uh, as a trade-off for higher pay.
2: One of the demographics that was hit hard by the pandemic and perhaps the lack of flexibility that we had going into the pandemic was of course women. We saw so many women leave the labor force over the past two years. Do you see that these women are coming back into the workforce? And if so, what's drawing them back in? Yeah. When I look at the the ADP
0: sample of data, and remember we pay about one in six uh, total workers in the United States, we saw that women before the pandemic made up 46 percent of workers, but they took on 53 percent of the losses. So the une- evenness and the disproportionality of the pandemic is really playing out along gender lines. Women were over-indexed in those customer-facing industries like healthcare, like education, like retail, like leisure and hospitality. And when we first saw that recovery, we saw that women actually led the way back. When companies recalled their workers, women were most likely to be recalled because they were so over-indexed in these sectors. But as the pandemic wore on, as we got another subsequent wave, uh, women started uh, either dropping out voluntarily or not coming back at all. And that is still with us to this day. We see that women's labor force participation uh, is still not where it is, should be, uh, given uh, all the tremendous progress that we've seen over the past year in regaining those jobs. Flexibility could be the answer. Uh, It could be a way to accommodate the very real fact Mm -hmm. that women have a larger share of the family responsibilities. Uh, Getting around that fact either means helping women with those family responsibilities, and we've seen companies do that, offering childcare, for example, offering uh, different ways of accommodating uh, schedules on the job, but it also means adding to that flexibility and being very, very laser-focused on what the women in your company need. And I'll make the argument, I'll go a step further, further, if you uh, are able to fulfill what women need on the workplace, you really fulfill what men need, too, because uh, working families need the same kinds of support. And it's really
2: important in this time of uncertainty that families get it. We are in such a strange moment in the job market right now because the number of job openings exceeds the number of workers that are available to fill them. Neela, how long do you see that uh, dynamic lasting? And How do you think the Fed raising interest rates could eventually affect the unemployment rate?
0: I do think labor shortages ease over time. We're starting to see uh, some uh, movement in people coming back to the workforce. They're not roaring back. They're trickling back into the workforce and even uh, not coming back in a straight line, as we saw with the last unemployment report, labor force participation actually dipped a little bit. That wasn't encouraging. But over time, some of those shortages ease. It's not just that people are reluctant to come back, it's also that we have had a stalemate in immigration, especially in key industries like construction and specialty trades and software development and engineering. And so that lack of immigration uh, has hampered some of the gains we otherwise could have made. So what is important, though, in this moment uh, is not just labor shortages, which I think is not just numbers, but skill sets that we need to start training the workforce of tomorrow for the jobs that are needed, not today, but the jobs that will be needed tomorrow. We have a huge generational tailwind coming with still millennials, but also Gen Z, and getting that workforce ready for tomorrow, it should be front and center for every company, given how labor shortages have been so impactful with the retiring baby boomers. But the real thing to focus on today is inflation, because what inflation does is it erodes the value of that paycheck. It turns even good news and distorts it into not-so-good news. So people are getting more take-home pay, it's just not going as far as it used to. And so the way to lure lure people back into the labor force is through higher wages. When those wages are eroded by inflation, it does no good. Mm -hmm. So the the power of the Fed—and, hopefully, we'll see that power show itself sooner rather than later—is getting inflation over. Under control. So the hard work that companies are doing now in terms of their incentive pay and bonuses and and time off and, and wage increases—that hard work to get people in the door and to keep them at work, whether it's working from home or on premise—that uh, that hard work pays off because workers actually feel right. the difference in their in their pocketbook.
2: So, Mila, I hate to try to end on a downer here, but should businesses be preparing for another recession? You know, whenever the Fed is
0: hiking, uh, recession is always uh, that shadow in the closet that may come out, right? So uh, there is always a positive probability of recession. That doesn't necessarily mean that it should be a front burner concern for companies who recession or not, have to make hiring decisions. I think the better focus is looking at the fundamentals, which are fairly solid right now, though the risks have grown, but also being kind of micro in your targeting of what workers that you need to retain, how you retain them. Um, if it, maybe it's your, your new entrants, uh, maybe it's your more tenured workers, but being laser-focused on that area of your employee base that you need to see gains and really focusing in on that, focusing in on what you control, can control as a company and realigning to where the workforce has already evolved to.
1: That was Neela Richardson, ADP chief economist. She joined us at CNBC's Evolve live stream on May 12, 2022. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share with your friends. You can visit us at CNBCevents.com to learn about upcoming events and how you can join us. And we'd love to see you there. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks so much for listening.